0: Super stoked to have Distro Kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show.
1: Down at the Down uh, at the Down the the...
0: What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out this show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth And sustainability of this thing. I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. The podcast is up on Spotify now. And uh, I've also been dropping some monthly playlists, both on Spotify and Apple. Those are available every first of the month. So the July one is there now and the links for those and everything else are in the episode notes. Hope everybody is doing well out there. Stoked to get into episode 315. Bay Ledges, aka Zach Hurd, is on the show. We recorded this one a couple weeks ago at the Polaris Hall venue here in Portland, Oregon, which is a uh, a very cool venue, and Bay Ledges was swinging through there on tour and uh, had the opportunity to hang out with Zach for a bit. Just uh, a really fun chat with this dude. He was uh, just so sweet and incredibly kind. Really enjoyed the, the time I got to chat with him, and I think I just heavily identify with these people that have these cringe feelings towards some of their their early work and don't really recognize themselves necessarily in it. And for me, that can just be music I made 15 years ago or even some of the early podcast episodes that you know came out six years ago on this thing. And I'm not sure if it's because in some regards I feel like I'm a little bit of a late bloomer as far as some of the the self-discovery stuff or if that's just like a constant thing where you always look back on the things you've done in the past and and don't relate the same to them, I guess. But uh, yeah, I think my framework for life and what I want out of it is just like so much different. Than they were at different creative points that it all just feels very far off in some ways. But I also know that there were uh, that there were and probably still are like big pieces of me within that music and those conversations. I just think now it's leaning more towards like a truer expression or I don't know. There's this hippy dippy book. Called the the Mortal Diamond, written by this uh, this really amazing theologian Richard Rohr, and and this whole book is pretty much just like helping you understand how stuff is just kind of like put upon you from a young age, and and has so much influence on who you are as a person, and some good, but also maybe. A lot bad or it just can be like restrictive in the the freedom you may have for self exploration. So this book, the idea is that we all have this immortal diamond inside of us. And it's all about like kind of unlearning things and stripping things away as you get older to understand where that diamond is kind of harnessed inside of you and what makes you feel closer to that. And, uh, it's pretty wild, but I fuck with some, uh, some things that are a little far out, I guess. And, and those types of books and the things like the power of now have just been big in helping me kind of like process the world at times and, and kind of just, uh, I don't know, help me tap into, uh, some things. And maybe at times we've just like helped put things into focus to like help me find my path or, or maintain a path that I believe in, I guess, or, uh, feel a pull towards. So I think I can feel guilty sometimes for the way I change or, or the way I am changing because I know it can sometimes make things feel strained in certain relationships too. So it's, uh, it can be all uh, all kind of gnarly, but that's uh, just a, a bit about me. Welcome, new listeners. <laughs> if you're uh, a new listener to this podcast and you came here because you're a fan of Bay Ledges, I, I hope you enjoy this chat that I got to, to have with Zach, and I'd encourage you to go back and check out some previous videos episodes. If you you dig this one, I got extra buttered before this intro, but really appreciated getting to to hear about Zach's music journey and to see the the joy within him that seems to kind of surround this Bay Ledges project was a very cool thing to interact with and and witness. I I dig the music that he's making quite a bit. It's very vibey pop music that's just Killer summertime jam. So if you you dig what you hear, put it on your playlist and give Bay Ledges a follow wherever you are uh, listening to music on the regular or social media and all that madness. uh, Lots of Bay Ledges in my DJ sets lately. And if you want to see me, DJ, I've got a couple of July dates going on. July 10th, this uh, coming Sunday, I will be doing the brunch set over at Produce Row Cafe from noon to two. You can catch DJs over there every Sunday from noon to two, as well as live music on uh, Thursday nights at Produce Row Cafe throughout the summer, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then the following weekend, the following Sunday, July 17th, I will be DJing over at, North 45, who has DJ residencies going on over there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And on Sundays, they've got music 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. So 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. on July 17th, I will be over there. And the links for Produce Row and North 45 and Distro Kid will all be in the episode notes as well. All right, we're doing it. Episode 315 all the way from Maine Bay Ledges is on the show and we are going to kick it off with a track from that new Bay Ledges LP. It's called Walk Away. All the links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with Zach Hurd and the Bay Ledges music. Let's do the damn thing. I
1: said it I try to be better. Love
0: All right, Zach, you ready to yeah jump into this thing? Let's do it. Cool, man. Uh, excited to uh, chat with you. I've been listening a lot to the to the uh, Bay Ledges tunes and diving into the new Ritual record and getting yeah. familiar with that. So I'm definitely stoked to uh, dive into all of that with you. But uh, I know you've been playing music for quite a long time now, so I yeah. thought maybe we could uh, you know start at the beginning a little bit. Maybe you could. Talk to me about like your early beginnings in music and your entry point into things and kind of like what you were doing before the Bay Ledges project started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: for sure, man. Yeah. I I was um I was just doing the kind of like uh solo singer songwriter thing. Um lived in New York for seven years. Um right after college, like just you know, started pursuing music, um, played with a friend from college for a while. Um yeah, it was it was one of those things like once like my senior year of college I was like okay, cool. I I know this is kind of what I want to do and um yeah, and I I feel like moving to New York and kind of trying to navigate that scene and, you know, starting just like doing open mics and running around town, doing that, trying to get a show and then like (laughs) doing the email, like email all your friends and you got like five people there, you know? Um, definitely that was, um, yeah, it was really helpful to be there. It was really good, too. It was just, like, this was, like, uh, late 2000s, so, like, there's just some really cool music coming out of Brooklyn at that time, like, you know, Grizzly Bear and um, TV on the radio and, um, yeah, just a lot of inspiring stuff to kind of be around. But, anyway, I, yeah, kind of was was doing the, the singer-songwriter thing, and... um were you able to like find a cool circle of people in new york yeah yeah i definitely it it introduced me to so many musicians that like now are off like doing amazing stuff and um it's kind of cool to like sort of track those journeys from that time um yeah
0: it's kind of the fun thing i think about like sticking around in something like this is like Oh, what, like, what is that person doing 10 years later? And you see that they're still doing it. And like that alone can be just very inspiring. It's like, all right, cool. They're still doing the thing.
2: Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah, no, it was really, it's, uh, it's always like inspiring to kind of tap in with, with people you kind of started with and, and just to see where they are. But, um, yeah yeah i mean new york was really great and so i like i did that for a while and kind of did did some recordings and put some recordings out and then uh and then finally i moved to uh, la and didn't really know i was going to move there and actually kind of thought maybe my future with music was sort of um out, And maybe it was kind of time to, uh, you know, music was something I would always do, but maybe it was time to like figure out some sort of other, um, pursuit. Um, and so moved to LA and then that was when I started the Bay Ledges thing and really just as like, cool, I just want to do something fun. And that sounds more like the music that I listen to and I'm, in- I'm inspired by. Yeah, man. I keep you're like the third
0: person in a row that has like brought up that whole thing of like this early evolution of their music maybe like not really identifying with now and wanting to like pursue this thing of yeah, like I just want to play the music that I'm actually like yeah. listening to, and maybe the earlier stuff wasn't translating that yeah. way. Or.
2: Yeah, and I think the early stuff for me, I, I think like the stuff I was doing in college and right after college, it was like, you know, there's so much learning going on. It's like really learning how to write a song and and even what production is and and what producing a song that you start on your guitar, what that process is and and what that looks like and so it was definitely like an educational time and i do yeah i certainly look back at the stuff i made in that period and it it sort of makes me cringe sometimes
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you think that like was also why it was important for you to you know kind of get away from your solo name and have like a different name for this project as well
2: absolutely man yeah it was definitely um and I noticed a lot of the bands that I really liked, you know, like uh like washed out and Toro y Moi and these these people that were I knew they were one person um but it seemed like it sort of gave them a freedom to sort of create something that wasn't just um Yeah, when you're doing the singer-songwriter thing and it's you, sometimes I don't know, sometimes it's like a naked feeling and uh yeah, I feel like the Bay Ledges sort of moniker gave me a feeling of freedom that I just didn't have to care. And, and also that feeling of like, you know, I think when I first started doing music, it's you feel, I, I felt a lot of sort of pressure of like, the things you need to do to make it as a musician you gotta email your friends you gotta get these people out to it you know you gotta promote yourself all the shit that you hate doing now and are like oh i can't
0: believe i did that yeah
1: dude (laughs) totally totally
2: and it's just like doesn't really feel natural but you're kind of doing it because you're like okay i guess this is part of the path you know but just all those
0: weird pressures too that you're like feeling from friends and family that are just like what what is it that you yeah. are pursuing here yeah, what, what are totally, you doing with your life and totally. you're like i'm getting the songs together i'm doing the thing yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's absolutely it's it's very hard to um i feel like unless you have a song placed in something or got a record deal or something that's like tangible to to share it's it's hard to understand um a life in the music business it's it's such a it's a weird business and there's like so many roads i feel like to to get to maybe where you're trying to go um so yeah it's like i think when i started bay ledges it was like i'm not gonna do any of the shit i don't want to do anymore and um and i'm just gonna lean into the aspects of this that i really love and that's the learning to produce and play around with sounds and and just post stuff and not not sweat too much if i'm like promoting it the best or yeah or if there's
0: gonna be like a hit on the record or something like that
2: Yeah, definitely none of that yeah
0: yeah like when you started the bay ledges thing like did you have even much intentions for what this project was going to be or like did it kind of uh propel early because of like maybe some of the play that that safe track got
2: yeah yeah so i had like i'd been doing bay ledges for about a year and um and yeah it was really just that and safe was a song like i worked on i worked on safe for like a year you know and like and that's what i would do would would just be like cool the songs aren't done until i feel great about them and um and safe was just like a, it was like a total surprise. Like at, at, by the time I put out safe, I'd already put an EP out, and I feel like at that point I sort of had, I was like, okay, cool. I think maybe, maybe I'm gonna get a job now that like, I don't, that I really love. I and I don't know what that job is if it's not music, but like I really. I just was feeling like I really want to dig into something in my life that I'm excited about and music is awesome and I love it, but like, I certainly can't make a living off of it right now. And, um, so yeah, so put safe out and then it, you know, all this Spotify stuff happened with it, which was wild. And so that, that kind of like pulled me back in and, and gave me like another opportunity to like continue on and, and, uh, and be a little more financially stable and it was wild yeah it was it was so it was very uh it was affirming in some ways yeah
1: yeah, yeah. you want
2: to dig in a little bit more and yeah get that validation of like oh people
0: are digging this new project
2: yeah yeah exactly it's sort of you know i think you know you hear a lot like you know you don't want to get into this place where you're like making music for other people or with them only in mind, but like, you know, I definitely want to connect with people with my music and certainly it's like you have to connect if you're going to like make a living (laughs) doing it, you know, to a certain degree. Um, so yeah. So I think for me, that was like a real moment of like, cool, this, this stuff that I'm really loving doing is translating
1: a little bit.
0: like play a big part in it that like you had gotten to the point where you like removed all of those other things that you were like ah fuck this I, like i don't really like doing these parts and like i don't want to have to worry about you know the the gross promotion of these things and now you're just kind of like making this music that you enjoy and totally seeing what happens yeah
2: yeah and it was so nice to to really be there i I think for the first time in in a long time at least just in this place where i was like this is just fun i love what i'm making and i'm super proud of it and i'm just uh if it doesn't go anywhere that's all right but um yeah and as far as like the solo stuff did you feel like
0: either like during the making or sometime quickly after doing the million little lights record that you were just like pretty exhausted with it
2: already at that point yeah i mean i felt like i i would sort of look at these these recordings and feel like not uh not always but like i think i always felt like i loved the demos i would make and i was in this mindset in new york of like um that i feel like i had sort of learned that like you make demos and then you go pay money to be in the real studio and make the real shit and and looking back it's like i always i would record stuff on an eight track digital recorder. And I, that stuff to me had so much more soul to it, you know? And, but yet I was in this place where like, I would love that stuff, but I would feel like maybe that was just for me or it it wasn't good enough to like put out for real. And looking back, I kind of wish I had just like, just leaned into that stuff more but i certainly am glad like i had the studio experience like it taught me a lot about what it is to be in a studio and um just like what compressors are and all these tools you know that are are really helpful to me now yeah i think i was exhausted by the end of of doing that i was just kind of like man i feel like i just kind of like i did a kickstarter for that thing i did all this shit and and I'm just beat, you know. It's <laughs> like it's like you sort of like it's like a bird you sort of throw into the air and it, at that point it has to have wings and if it doesn't, it's just cool, man. I, I yeah. can't fly for you. And so yeah.
0: Did you have to like remove yourself a little bit from the creative process Absolutely. to like dig into the bay ledges stuff?
2: Yeah. I mean I think for me moving to LA, I didn't really know I was moving to LA, but um yeah I think it's like I got to LA and I sort of I fulfilled my commitments on the Kickstarter and you know wanted to do that and then I think once I did that I was like cool I think I need to step way back like I I'm not really feeling like this project fully represents me and yeah it just oh man it's so funny, man. I even look at the the cover of that that album now and I'm like, "Oh my god, it makes me cringe, <laughs> man." <laughs> so, a friend of mine back in Maine has it in his house, and he's like, "I feel like he pulls it out from time to time." I'm just like, "Dude,
1: please put that
0: away." Dude, I yeah, I have some of those where yeah, I'm just yeah. like, "Oh, this exists? Like these photos of me even exist?" Like, it's like, "Oh, cool. All
2: right." That was the time. (laughs) Totally, dude. And at the time, I remember just being like, you know, I remember so many people like, oh, yeah, you got to put your face on the cover of your album, you know. And again, with the, you know, it's like doing all the things that, you know, you feel like, okay, cool. This is what I guess I'm supposed to do to be successful. And so
0: yeah makes sense why you would want like the hard reset then of like (laughs) all right new new name (laughs) new name for the project you know completely different vibe too so yeah i understand why you wouldn't like even if you maybe even liked that solo material i understand why you wouldn't necessarily like want that to be the representation for people checking out bay ledges
2: yeah for sure yeah exactly it felt like a totally different thing and and, and I really wanted it to be like I, I really didn't want any sort of like residue of my former um, attempts at, at songwriting to like to permeate the thing. So, yeah, it was just it was it was like a really nice like sort of clean slate and did the, you know, sound sound cloud. Like really, really <laughs> leaned in hard on SoundCloud,
1: yeah.
0: So, like before starting the Bay Ledges project, what was your knowledge recording-wise at that point, and like instrumentation-wise, where you still just like guitar was like your main yeah instrument for writing and
2: yeah, it was it was pretty limited. Like I had an eight-track digital recorder, and I would use that a lot, like for doing demos and stuff, and then. When I moved from New York, a friend of mine there, this guy, Matt Lima, um, gave me, he gave me a laptop that he had like refurbed from his like job. And, um, and on it, he, he put Ableton on it. And he was just like, he's a really proficient piano player. Um, and we sorta had talked about, cool, it'd be rad to like send stuff back and forth. And I thought that idea was amazing even though I had no idea how to use Ableton or anything. And so he gave that to me and we sent like a couple things back. And then at at some point I just like opened it and just started to try to like write shit on it. Just myself. I had this like little USB mic, um, which was amazing. I, I think having the USB mic and having just very little equipment was like, was very key for me being able to like, do all that. Cause I think if, if there had been too much equipment, I just would have been like, fuck this. I can't do this. Sure. You know,
0: <laughs> creative parameters are often helpful to you then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so that really helped. And yeah. And it was really that, that I, I just, I got obsessed, you know, did YouTube videos and, and it was just, I, I like loved it. You know, I, I found an Ableton certified trainer in LA and I like went to his home and, did like a day with him and it just became this thing I was like super committed to had no idea really why or what it would lead to but um yeah yeah yeah
0: did you feel like it was just this whole new launch pad for all of your music ideas too because things could sound so much different than what they would sound like with some (laughs) initial guitar id Idea?
2: absolutely absolutely man it, it was sort of like it also like sort of broke the door open of like what even i imagined a song to be you know like that songs sort of have to have this specific structure and um and that my voice you know i think for a long time being a singer songwriter you're very sort of i mean for me at least i was very tied to this feeling of like you know my voice is the major component of this whole thing and my voice really needs to be present and out there and forward, even though I didn't really love my voice. And I think working in Ableton, it just gave me this sense of like, oh, cool, my voice can just be like one component of this bigger ensemble, as opposed to needing to really like lead the whole thing. Um, I think just mentally having that um, idea in my head helped me sort of break away from feeling... Tethered to any sort of need. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you just kind of
0: felt like overall just a lot of freedom in creating this music that you hadn't really experienced before. Totally.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was exactly that. Yeah. It was very freeing. It was like a, it truly was one of the more like beautiful times of my life because I feel like I sort of let go. I was working at a restaurant. I just sort of like let go of, these ideas of how I was supposed to live my life, you know, and, um, just like, you know, just doing things that felt good as opposed to like doing the things, you know, when I lived, lived in New York, I had like a nine to five office job. I was working at the Met, the museum, which I, I met some great people there and I'm super grateful for that experience. But like toward the last few years, like I don't know. I didn't love that job. And I think it became this thing that I could easily say, like, oh, well, I, you know, I work at the Met. And it was a thing, at least I think my parents could understand. They were like, oh, cool. That's working at the Met. You know? (laughs) Yeah, he's doing music, but, but he works at the Met. You know? (laughs) Meanwhile, I was like an admin assistant, you know, at the Met. I was like, you know, not, I was very low on the, in the ranks, but, um, but, yeah, so moving to L.A., it was sort of like screw all that stuff, just enjoy life, do things that, that make you feel feel good.
0: Yeah, do you feel like you've always been somebody that's pretty impacted by the surroundings and, like, environment as far as your tunes? Because, like, I don't know, listening to the Bay Ledges stuff, it definitely feels like there's a lot of beach vibes yeah. that are carried throughout. Do you think that's just kind of like a symptom of <laughs> – being in LA and being close to
2: the ocean. I think so, man. Yeah, I think I think for sure it 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 uh moves through the creative process for sure. Yeah, I think I've always been pretty influenced by by the surroundings and yeah, without a doubt. Just like thinking about maybe like that straight jacket
1: yeah. jam,
2: you know, like
0: that one definitely just feels like, oh, this is California yeah. to me, you know.
2: Yeah, that's so funny, man. Yeah, I, and some of that stuff i think i um i don't know it's funny sonically i think taking some of the high end off of your your songs like uh, off of the eq and stuff I, I don't know i just got into that and and the ways that can really warm things up and but yeah i i can i can hear what you're saying for sure yeah
1: yeah
0: And do you think like your writings even changed a lot since moving back to Maine?
2: Um I'm like trying to think. It I don't really know. It's like hard cuz I feel like I'm still kind of in it, but um yeah, yeah, it's like I I did feel over the last like 8 months I I feel like maybe there's been like a little more of I'm almost like tying together a little bit more of like my singer songwriter self with, with this Bay Ledges stuff. And, um, I, I think cause some of the Bay Ledges stuff, I, I think I really wanted it to not take itself too seriously and to be like fun. And, but you know, I think with songwriting, it's like, you never really know what you're going to write. And so like, Uh, that'd be a bummer if you sort of just threw away the songs that maybe aren't always light. Um, so yeah, trying to sort of meld those, those things together. Yeah. Do you think like the stuff off ritual maybe is a little more focused than
0: like the initial Bay Ledges EP just because you weren't so, you know, just immersed in all these new ways that you could deliver the material yeah
2: yeah i think so i think i think it's like um i feel like this album sort of like points somewhere and i'm not i'm not totally sure where that (laughs) totally is but like i think i do feel like it's becoming a little more directed yeah and i'm excited for that for sure but uh excited to just like keep following it wherever it goes but and is diving into like the producer
0: role, kind of like removed that, uh, that wall of like needing to get into a studio to record something yeah. cool and kind of like, I don't know, did you, did you find in the past that like you would record these cool demos like you were talking about and feel like there was this energy in that, that couldn't translate yeah. to the studio room? Oh,
2: absolutely, man. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the hard thing was like making this demo and then you sort of try to recreate it. Um, And it's, it's such a, it's, uh, you, I don't, I I was trying to think of something it's similar to, but yeah, it just never works. Basically. I always felt like the stuff in the studio always ended up sounding too clean and like, and you can't, you know, you can't re-sing a feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think having, having the ability to just make stuff at home I think has been really cool. Although I will say like toward the end of making this album, I did start feeling like um, I would like to start working more with other people. Um, I think earlier on it was like, I would have like some friends sometimes uh, for like the Bay Ledges stuff. My my sister, I would have her sing stuff and, and then, you know, kind of chop up her, her vocals and that was a super fun way of like not having it be me and just having someone else Uh, a friend of mine who plays piano same same deal but so I feel like for the uh, upcoming recordings like I've been talking to a friend in LA about um, maybe renting a studio and like having a bunch of people come through just get some ideas down and then having people sort of jam on it and then I'll take all the stems home and sort of play with it that way. Um, that, that feels really fun to me. I think it's, it's been, for me, it's been like, okay, how do I, how do I collaborate, but still like do my thing? I, uh, th- and that seems like a, a way to sort of work with other people and get other influence, but still kind of then go back to it and, and do my thing yeah. with it
0: must be nice to not feel like there has to be this other person to kind of facilitate certain <laughs> areas of it of like maybe areas you've had to like give up control over that you maybe didn't want to and yeah now that, now that you can tweak with things on your own and record some things and play that role for sure man
2: yeah yeah definitely Yeah, I did like some of the, you know, songwriting session world stuff in LA and, and that was, I was really glad to do that because that was like such a new world for me. But I also, I think, uh, I don't know, it's not really for me. Like I, and I think that's what I've been trying to figure out is like, okay, cool. If, if I don't want to go in and have someone produce the whole thing, then how do I, how do I collaborate, but still do my thing, um, and have it feel like authentically me. I uh, I really dig
0: like just like the use of the the chopped up vocals oh, and whatnot, man. like on like walking away. Yeah, yeah. Like a really cool example of that. Is that something you got like pretty infatuated with right away when you started fucking with the Ableton oh, and God. all the loops and whatnot?
2: Immediately, yeah. I, I, like the whole manipulation of vocals. I was like, this is it. Just like blew my mind open, you know, and. Yeah, and so I feel like it is this thing I kind of always come back to if I, like, hit a wall or something. And then there's that that song, um, Like a Bird, that, like, I had finished that song, and I was like, man, this this song is, like, okay. I, I don't... There's something about it. I just don't love and typically like typically it's it's usually my voice that i don't like like in a certain range or something it just like for whatever reason i'm like i just can't i can't sit with this and so then just pitch the whole thing up five steps yeah and i was like this sounds way better to me you know (laughs) and like not really having any idea like how i would do it live but um but yeah, that, that stuff, yeah, being able to manipulate the vocal and um is is so fun. It's like it's a nice way to just sort of if you get stuck, like let's just turn the whole thing over.
0: Yeah, it's nice when you don't have to like see your voice as something that always has to be this dry thing or maybe only can have a little bit of reverb on yeah. it. Yeah. You can like really fuck with it and and manipulate it and turn it into its own instrument totally and not be tied to this thing the whole time it's funny that like that was one of the tunes you weren't necessarily feeling because it seems like that's one of the ones that's had like one of the biggest receptions yeah. on the record
2: yeah and i even remember i at the time i i uh well i guess i was just thinking like i was working with this label at the time and i had sent it to them and like they were you know they were not into it you know (laughs) i think it was sort of just too weird and um and i think you know that's i think the place for me that i want to try to always be in mentally is to try to get away from you know not thinking about the song too much but just like how does this feel if it feels good like don't think don't think anymore beyond that and um it can I, I feel like it can be easy to sort of like overanalyze yeah.
0: Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Parloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starter's menu, that fry sauce... I don't know what it is, but it's banging, and in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports, and the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including Spinach. Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP, as well as DJs and beat makers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local beat makers, Love Jones and Free Tillman, every second Sunday, and DJ Slim Guinea every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. Surprising to you, though, like when, like which ones actually kind of yeah. catch fire?
2: Yeah, totally, totally. Oh, always. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you know, I, I worked with this label for a while that I felt like, uh, well, they, they just, they were really into like, we need to all be on board with like a a song and like the amount of pressure that puts on you when you do writing sessions or when you're just writing at home, it just, it's it's kind of crippling at times because you're just like you can start writing something and you're like cool is this going to be a hit and then you hit a certain point and if you're just like no you know you just kind of want to abandon everything um it just doesn't really give anything much of a chance and uh so i i'm i've been glad to sort of like get away from that way of thinking of songs um and and was definitely something I had to, like, keep in mind for doing an album. It was like, cool, man. Like, not all of these songs have to be, like, a quote-unquote banger, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate just, like... Uh,
0: what track is it it's the uh, it's one of the ones that's like even more like uh an interlude track. oh uh, it's, uh between or? between oh, that's yeah. one of my favorite tracks on the thanks, on the man. record just you know that minute track yeah it's just kind of this breather in between things and it's just a a vibe like i put that in my in my dj library oh, just because like i think that's a cool transition for for anything yeah you know? sweet
2: oh that's that's rad man <laughs> thanks that's i love that
0: you feel like you had to uh that you kind of completely started thinking about lyrics and vocal delivery much differently with this project than you had in the past as well
2: yeah um i'm kind of always thinking about that but um but yeah i mean there were definitely songs um i don't know the making of an album i mean this was like the first this this really like even felt like my first album period just because I like sort of made the whole thing, but yeah I, I I definitely analyze my voice anyway and there are things that I I like about it and then there are things I just really don't and so so yeah some songs it's it's just sort of managing how 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 does my voice feel in this song and as far as like picking the the 13 tracks
0: that make the album, is that like pretty clear cut to you when you were amidst the process or was there like a lot that you had to cut or were there times where amidst, you know, this collection of tunes you'd write something and be like, this is cool, but I don't think this fits the vibe and set that to the back burner for later kind of totally.
2: Yeah. There were probably like, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 other songs that, um, yeah, just didn't make the cut and for whatever reason, just some of them I was just like, I don't really know where these are going or I was talking to a friend about this. But yeah, I feel like musicians like uh, maybe not all, but I, I certainly like there's a lot on the cutting room floor, you know, there's just like so many songs that just sort of like uh, just get abandoned or, yeah. you know, half done something. So, yeah. Is it typical that there'll be like a song?
0: like safe you were talking about is around for like a year before you actually like kind of get back to it and maybe hear what you need to hear out of it to totally make it go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to think of uh yeah, the song that song in water was around for a while. Um yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's still songs I have at home that I'm like It's like, I love something about them. I can't let something go. And I'll just like every few months come back and just, and see if I can like crack the code, you know, (laughs) and still have not been able to on, on some, but. Just can't leave them behind.
0: You're just like, there's something here. I took the time. (laughs) Totally. There was an initial idea. Yeah. (laughs) And I want to know what it's about. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And sometimes that's like so crippling because especially in making an album, there were some songs that I was like, this is going on the album. And then, you know, you can just because for me, I'm I'm simultaneously producing and mixing usually at the same time. So it's like which isn't, I wouldn't recommend that. Like I'm, I'm sure you, you definitely would save yourself some headaches for sure. Like <laughs> maybe just finishing it and, <laughs> and letting someone else mix it. But, um, I don't know. It's just been the way I've, I've done it for a few years now. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I guess it's just, it's the workflow for sure. And like, since maybe the collaborative
0: songwriting in the room thing hasn't, uh, been, I don't know what you need or what you enjoy is there. Do you still have like a committee of people or some folks that you like to send stuff to while you're working on it to get feedback? Or do you kind of like to like hold things close until they're done yeah. and then get feedback from people?
2: Yeah. My, um, I do love, like, um, I'll, I'll share some stuff sometimes with my family. Um, My fiance, for sure, they're like, sometimes I'll just play things and I won't tell her. (laughs) And um, if she is into something, I'm like, cool, Uh, uh, there's I feel like there's something here. And uh, yeah, but but typically I will like wait until it's like the end, you know, and it's I feel like it's done. And that's that. But um, yeah, it's a little bit of a combo for sure. Yeah. Has,
0: do you feel like Ableton has like become your, your instrument, like your main instrument (laughs) in some ways?
2: Probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I used to think it was guitar and, and I still do really like guitar and, and use it as a tool to songwrite. But, um, but yeah, Ableton is totally, um, it's something I feel like I have like a decent handle on and even then i know there's still like a world i don't don't know yet on it but um but yeah it definitely helps me realize a song for sure yeah it's like the main the main tool which is wild but are you like consistently
0: grabbing other instruments and trying to figure those out as well so you can kind of record as much of you playing as possible when you're yeah. working on ideas?
2: Um, I, I do like, I, I really like playing bass. I started doing that more over the last few years. And um, so I, I do that. I'll do like some key synth stuff. Um, and I, I like doing that. I'm certainly not super strong at that, but I can like do some, some fairly easy stuff. And I would love to know how to play drums for sure. That is one thing that I'm, I'm like, I would like to take lessons. Yeah. I mean, at the very least, it sounds like you uh,
0: have a cool ear for the percussion, like from listening to the tracks, like Sun, Sun, Sun. Oh, cool. That's one of my favorites as far as like what's happening percussion wise with oh. the drums and everything in that one.
2: Rad, man. Yeah, thanks. That, that one, it's, uh, I usually like find different samples and I'll chop stuff up. And um, uh, do you know that guy, The Count? uh, he's, he does, uh, he's amazing. Um, but he sells like sample packs and stuff. And, uh, I feel like a lot of people in hip hop use his stuff, but he records, uh, I think most everything at his like studio and, um, but his drum sounds are so good. And I definitely went in and, grabbed like some of his loops chopped stuff up and uh, yeah his sounds are are great Um, but yeah use some of that for sun 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 yeah
0: Like, the, like one of the coolest parts I feel like of this modern digital era is that, like, even I don't know, some low key, like, local producers that I know here in Portland are constantly putting together like beat packs and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just like, you can just use whatever your favorite producers are using and they actually put them together.
2: Totally, totally. And it is, it's, it's such a cool way to sort of work to. Uh, almost collaborate in a in a strange way i mean i will say after like hearing his sounds i w- i was like man i would love to work with that dude like he's just incredible sensibility and so it's cool to also know that like you know it still doesn't beat the actual human you know that like but it is this this nice um it's a nice way to to, uh, if you can't get the actual human yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure
0: yeah. but yeah
2: how did you like initially get interested
0: in playing like was there other people in your family that played music was there a lot of music just yeah happening in the house in general
2: um yeah there was there was like a lot of music in the house like my dad was huge into music i feel like he was the guy who would like you know hone in on a song and then just like play the hell out of that song for like you know weeks straight but he was like he was super into like the Beatles and the Beach Boys and like the Everly Brothers and Dylan and um yeah I feel like he he definitely exposed he he just had like such an intense love for for music um jackson brown and uh and then my mom too and they both sang and they both like they're both teachers and they sang in like the school shows and stuff yeah so i like grew up like watching them sing Uh, my mom has like has an amazing voice and uh it was like such a moment in the show when my mom would sing and and so as a kid it was just like so magical to like watch these shows I mean, they would play, like, pretty cool music, too. Like, the, the the school band was, like, you know, made up of some students and some faculty, and it was, like, they were playing, like, Bowie and yeah. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and, like, um, so, yeah, that had, like, a massive impact on me and um, just sort of the the element of performing and and seeing what that is and how magical that can be. and And, and I felt like both my parents, like, loved that. They, like, really enjoyed doing that and so yeah i feel like they they definitely played a huge role for sure
0: they're pretty like receptive then when you wanted to get a guitar and start yeah fucking around playing
2: music yeah like um yeah i got like my dad's guitar like in fifth grade which was like this terrible fender acoustic thing and like i was like too young so i i couldn't even push Like, like the action on it was so (laughs) high. It was so brutal. And I remember my parents were like, you know, you you have to practice half hour a day. And I finally just quit just because I like, I literally couldn't play. And then when I was 13, like one of my best friends got a, uh, electric guitar and his older brother was in this band and the guitar player in the band would like teach us like Nirvana songs and stuff. And, uh. I just was like, oh my God, this is, that for me was the moment where I was like, wow, this is like to play Come As You Are, you know, just like yeah. that main bass riff <laughs> on the guitar was like so huge, you know. So I, I asked and my parents actually like got me an electric guitar for Christmas and uh which I like couldn't believe. And um yeah, and so that, and then from that point on, I really... I did just like practice. It was very similar actually to the Ableton thing. I was just like so hooked and, and the, you know, the nineties were such a good time for like, you know, grunge guitar was like not it, it just like you could do it. You know, it was like playing songs that were like, Oh shit. Like this is not crazy complicated. Like I can actually, this is something I can do. Yeah.
0: I recently, I don't know. I was watching something just about Nirvana and just kind of like that was Kurt Cobain's kind of like big role is like showing people that you don't have like have to be like the most incredible musician to make good music and like make something that obviously has like such a huge impact on the the zeitgeist of things on that level but yeah absolutely even not on that level it's just like oh cool like yeah you don't have to be jimmy page
2: on the guitar yeah, to exactly. like be able to be a guitar player right absolutely yeah no it was such a he was such a huge figure for sure for me yeah
0: yeah did you uh even in high school did you quickly find yourself wanting to kind of like write your own tunes though
2: opposed yeah. to just learning the covers yeah for sure yeah and it was this thing it was a very like secretive thing like i definitely i would just <laughs> sort of like be in my room yeah i was very uh very introverted about it. And, and in college too, it was one of those things I would just like, uh, obsessed with, but like terrified to share with anyone. And I remember like one night, my, uh, the the guys I lived near in college, they like heard me through the door and we were, and then later we were in one of my friend's rooms and we were all drinking and, and, uh, (laughs) my friends was like yo zach like you know play we all hear you through the wall dude like play go get your guitar and like play and like then they they all were like yeah man you know it was like it was definitely peer pressure and i i was like oh man and luckily i was drunk so i (laughs) I got the guitar and like i remember i had like a hood on i like pulled the hood over my eyes so i just couldn't see anyone and uh Yeah. And, and I remember they were, they were all like, they were so, they were like, holy shit, man. Like, what are you doing? Why are you just like doing this privately? You know? And yeah, it was a very, I was just like very, my voice, I was like, not very comfortable with. And so it felt very vulnerable, the whole act. For
0: sure. Must have helped a little bit getting you to those initial open mics if you played in front of your
2: good friends, though. Yeah, Isn't... absolutely, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that was a major moment for me. And, yeah, that kind of got me to want to sort of go out and play and do the open mic thing. And, yeah, it was kind of this thing we would all go to the open mics. They would just kind of roll with me and I would, <laughs> I would just go play. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah that's yeah. rad <laughs> yeah did you get to a certain point though where you started to feel like really comfortable with being vulnerable and in that space and actually like being like oh this is actually like very cool and empowering in some way that yeah. I get to express myself yeah in this way
2: yeah totally yeah it, it definitely I hit the point where I, I started to feel way more confident in my voice and in sort of what you know in the songs I was putting together and yeah and, and then i think you know doing bay ledges it was sort of this other jump to like cool i love not having to use the guitar on stage it's really nice to like be able to like run around and you know just get into the music in a new way Yeah,
0: new level of performance yeah 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 totally any idea like why you feel like you've kind of always taken on the role of like this front person even if it was like solo or like within this project?
2: Yeah, I think just because um, I, I think I'm a fairly introverted person, like sort of a, uh, maybe like a loner in some ways. And for me, like working on music has always been this like personal pursuit. And I feel like it's allowed me to sort of connect with myself in a deeper way. And so it's been that on top of the music, like the the mix of those two things. Um, and I think it's hard to do that with someone else, you know. I think the times I've played with other people or written with other people, it's like I feel like I'm not doing that. It's it's more to serve the song, and which that's that can be cool as well. But like for me there's something really powerful about just like trying to get somewhere with yourself or tap into something that feels beyond you and um and i think you have to like for me sort of like be in this very open place and i i think sometimes it's hard for me to feel that open when i'm working with other people sometimes so
0: for sure yeah.
2: Well, it's cool to uh see like the new
0: life that you've like found in the the Bay Ledges stuff as far as your your music stuff, man, cuz I don't know. It feels like that all like comes across like your excitement for it comes across in the music, you know? That like it really- is fun music and very vibey music to like throw on at a party or just like while you're hanging out at the house and just feels oh. like it's it's pretty versatile in that way. So awesome man oh that's
2: that's great to hear thank you
0: yeah absolutely i appreciate you uh taking time to chat with me and getting to like kind of learn where it comes from and you know that whole era of the the solo stuff and how different that is for you now and yeah man thanks for having me absolutely i'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh Keep up with your tunes if they want to check them out. You know, throw some Bay Ledges on on their summer playlist. I think it's uh, definitely appropriate for that. There's some summertime bangers yeah. on the on the Ritual <laughs> album for sure. Um, I want to play it out with those old suns. It's one of my favorite. Uh, those old days? With those yeah. old days. I'm yeah. sorry. My, no. Yeah. My, my notes have failed me. We <laughs> 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 got caught up on the sun, sun, sun. <laughs> Uh, We'll play it out with those old days and uh, we end every episode of the podcast, Zach, with the the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is it's a program. So if we could get the Bay Ledges, it's a program. It means absolutely nothing it's just the way my grandfather says the news program he always says program program so uh yeah if you can you know give us a good it's a program however you want to deliver it and uh we don't have ableton here so we're not going to be able to chop it up live okay but uh, so
2: it's it's a once one and done take here Zach. Okay, cool. So everything is is relying on this take. <laughs>
0: I mean, you can do another one.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, this is Bay Ledges, and it's a program. He nailed it, everybody.
0: <laughs> We're gonna play it out with those old days off that Ritual album. This is Bay Ledges, and uh, that's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, Portland, Oregon, Portland, Maine. Yeah, you know all the places wherever you are listening from.
1: Cool, man. Awesome, oh, yeah. so dude. Those days feel now they feel so far away.
0: To give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to DistroKid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that DistroKid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.